All right, this is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> well, we have a fantastic guest, another millennial. We have uh, Angel Adedokun. Did yes. I get it right? Yes, you did. Yay. Very nice. <laughs> Angel and, uh, you, uh, but you also call yourself Angel Anna. Right. Um, I <laughs> or at least on Facebook, you I do. do on Facebook because I don't um, like people looking me up on Facebook. I strictly mm-hmm. have Facebook just for friends that I want to talk to. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't want people to be able to find me because I don't use it for networking. Mm-hmm. But oh, everyone sure. in the Bay does, so I yeah. still get a lot of requests. <laughs> right. hey, I met you this one time, so uh, I should. Yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. Um, we, you and I met. We did a stage reading for Lynn Aylward's piece, "Show to Go." Yes. But uh, Angel Adedokun, and you are a singer. You are a play. Uh, I'm sorry. You are a actress, mm-hmm. and you're working at the Ray of Light Theater. And yeah. uh, we're excited to hear all sorts of cool things that you're doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, I do that. I'm a musician. I'm a singer. Um, I do choreography every now and then. Oh, okay. Um, I did choreography for Carolina Change at cool. Ray of Light, which was fun. Mm. Um, I'm a teacher. I'm generally just your everyday um, multi-hyphenate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was reading on Facebook, you are a professional sunflower. <laughs> I am. I am the professional sunflower. I definitely a believe. professional sunflower. I am the professional sunflower, yes. I believe that anytime I enter a room, I'm supposed to elevate the energy, not uh-huh. try to match the energy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so... Um, well, I think you're doing a good job. I mean, I remember, you know, when we first met, just doing a stage reading, you know, you had a lot of energy, and I, c- I can sort of see that. Just thanks, huh, thank wonderful, you. wonderful energy. Thank all you right. So as I begin uh, my, all of my podcasts, uh, how, how's your week, Norman? If I'm here, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a strange week. I've, I've been a 71 year old man with depression who's kind of in denial. Is that a character? Or yeah, is that really? okay. standardized patient stuff. That oh, yes, yes. Oh, man. And, you know, dealing with all these young uh, doctors, these medical students, um, is different. And uh, mm-hmm. the thing about it, it was the, the actual role play was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, the My wife has been dead for four years, and that's why mm. I'm in this mood. Mm. Um, that one was a little deeper, and I, I actually have a friend – who I watched his mother go through that, and like the last four years of her life, she—if you asked her, she would tell you she just wanted to die. Uh, <laughs> wow! And it wasn't yeah. she wasn't she didn't say it in any kind of you know. Yeah. It was just like you're asking me, how are you today? I just want to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're like okay, uh, moving on. Well, so, I've, I've noticed that with older folks, they don't put up the pretenses of oh, I'm doing great. Right. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of I think you know, a lot of younger people. When I was younger, mm-hmm. I sort of you know. Oh, I've got to have the facade that everything's okay and everything's great. But yeah, I think when you get older, you're like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. It was it was just weird, and each session was two parts. Mm. So the daughter made an appointment. I got there on my own. That's session one. I'm I'm relatively coherent and and conversational. Session two, I am almost monosyllabic. Mm. My son dropped me off. <clears throat> I don't know why. I don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know what day of the week it is. And but I do know I'm depressed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've, I've been living with that all so, week. <laughs> so that's the character. Now, what about the, uh, the real man? How, how are things at home? Uh, they, I'm, I'm on my own this weekend. 
Oh, really? Uh, Where's Mara? Dexter's actually flying back today. Okay. Um, and Mara will fly back. Well, not fly back. Uh, the band had a gig in San Diego mm. last night mm -hmm. and in Long Beach tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest of them took a van and went down. She and Dexter flew down mm -hmm. and stayed at my parents' place on Thursday. Uh-huh. And then did a tour of the San Diego State campus wow. yesterday. Okay. So oh, so you were you were you were sort of a bachelor for that uh, week or yeah, whatever. Well, it was. since yeah, and I, you know, it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, had to be in the city at seven forty-five. In mm. the you know ready to go seven forty-five, yeah. um, and then all day, uh, and then Friday I had a gig out in Walnut Creek with a bunch of old people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So yeah, yeah I've, I've been I've been feeling, well, weirdly old and young. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all it's, week. It's interesting. I, I remember uh, there was a play, Well, by mm -hmm. uh, Lisa Cron. Now I had to play an older person. Mm -hmm. Actually, I even had to play a younger person. I had to play like a fifteen-year-old, huh. <laughs> and then I had to play like a seventy-year-old. So it's it's interesting stepping into those old roles and then getting back into my ri my real person. It's right. like, Wow. Thank goodness I'm not, you know, there, or I can sort of appreciate, you know, I just being. There's something about theater that makes you lively. I don't feel old. Right. I don't feel the age that I am. So I think that theater has a way of just, you know, making you, I don't know, feel young. Well, it definitely made me live in it. One of the artists yesterday, mm -hmm. this guy, his one hand was just going like there was a motor attached mm -hmm. to it, just this tremor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how is he possibly painting or drawing anything yeah but i didn't see the other hand i didn't see the hand that was working i just saw this hand yeah, yeah. and it was kind of in rhythm to the music they were playing huh. so that was even strange i was like uh does the music help or is that a problem interesting i don't know yeah. it was it was strange <laughs> <laughs> yeah um let's jump into some ugh, some current events are you guys worried about the coronavirus i keep on telling myself oh i'm gonna is it gonna be okay and mm. then i hear these you I, know i think you should be reports aware um yeah, I think awareness is key. I'm not m scared about it at all. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm more so scared for... Yeah, I'm just going to um, adjust your mic a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. There you Thank go. you. Uh -huh. um, I think I'm more so scared about people's opinions yeah. towards it and mm -hmm. people's attitudes towards other people right. mm -hmm. about it. Um, I think that worries me more. Um, America just has a very, very bad habit of, you know, uh, seeing one particular uh, place or group of people being affected by it and thinks that like everyone you know I just mm -hmm. yeah um, I think I'm more so scared for that especially under the administration that we're under right that scares yeah. me more than uh, the actual virus I mean of course be vigilant right of um, course of course yeah. you know um, yeah it's yeah I, I totally understand and yeah there are a lot of um, Chinese friends of mine who are like I'm really worried not just about the virus but about how the racism, react, how people yeah. are going to react. I heard and a wonderful news story last night, though, yeah. about, like, the news person went down to the kitchen. Yeah. You know, they had a, they had a you know, catering kitchen mm -hmm. in their facility. Yeah. She went down there and said, I want to talk to you because you're a professional. Talk to me about how you wash your hands. And the woman talked her through the most basic washing of hands. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, and... <clears throat> Don't worry about turning off the spigot. You can do that. Don't worry about touching the doorknob. You can do that. Mm -hmm. um, she said, but do dry your hands because wet hands transmit more. Interesting. And I was like, oh. And the woman said, and what about sanitizer? And she's like, actually, you know, soap and water is actually better for this than sanitizer. Sanitizer is okay, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so I love that they spent like five minutes yeah. <laughs> listening to somebody describe how you wash your hands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I really believe that a lot of older people are dying if you don't, if you're immune, if right. you're immunodeficiency. Well, the first death. We've had the first death in America. That's right. Yeah, it just, just heard it on the way here. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think there's a case in Oregon, and there are a couple, I think, in the Bay Area. Uh, Vacaville. Yeah. Vacaville. Um, yeah. <coughs> but I'm not, I'm not too worried. Again, these are yeah. um, that one. I think is also another older person. Yeah. Like, oh well, I'm an older person, so I guess I don't <laughs> I don't get to skip that one. But yeah. And you had mentioned the Trump administration. I think they have Mike Pompeo. Um, no Pence. Pence, mm-hmm. which is really strange. I mean, what is he a man who denies about? science? That's, <laughs> that's who we want in charge of trying to figure out the cutting edge science of a virus. Yeah. You know, this is a viral investigation. They need to be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And he and what what they did was said um, nothing can be said to anybody without going through him. Oh, OK. Like, are you, <coughs> there is a point where announcements have to be made. Like we need to know we're canceling shows. Stores are going to close. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to, you know, p- uh, public transit. Mm-hmm. And it's affecting the business. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there are products like, you know, products, even products we don't buy from China. But, you know, right. there are parts that yeah. are made in China oh, yeah. that affects other businesses. And so they need to know Which is what's the other big on. story this week. The market. <coughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. The market, that's right. It's insane. I saw it's insane. a headline that said the word crash, and I'm so happy <laughs> no, that they said the yeah. word because yeah. in 2008 they kept avoiding it. And they're sure. like, well, no, it's different. Yeah. You can't compare. It's like, no, 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 this is, this is a crash. This is. Yeah, right. and of course there are political implications because yes. 2008, that was the thing that a lot of people will say that crushed George W. Bush or that um, elevated Obama because mm-hmm. Bush didn't know what to do. Right. McCain had to – everyone had to spend their campaign to deal with the subprime right. loan crisis. Right. We don't know if that's going to happen here, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of politics, uh, so it's – I think it's weekend at Bernie's. So, you know, Bernie is, you know, sort of cruising. He won – what was it um, – was it New Hampshire? I forget what the very yeah, last one was. Yeah, he won New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, he did not win. Or Iowa, he <coughs> won, well, yeah, but that's it was muddy. Between him and Do you know? Buttigieg, yeah. <laughs> yes, him and Buttigieg, yes. Yeah. So exactly. we, um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been getting my uh, Bernie text messages every single day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Bernie bro or sis? Uh, I am. Leaning I used to be, if right. I'm being completely honest, mm-hmm. um, I and I try and keep my political views like somewhat to myself or at least mm-hmm. within my friend group before sure. I feel comfortable with because mm-hmm. I have sure. very strong opinions that rub people, you know, the wrong way, yeah. especially in the Bay Area. But um, I I have a hard time dealing with the fact that Bernie seems to think that African Americans don't deserve some kind of um Reparation for the things that have happened in the oh, past, and oh, feel yeah, very yeah, strongly yeah. about this. Yeah, and I just don't understand his view on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a blatant nope. That it—it's not even the fact that he denies it; it's the fact that he says it's not a possibility, <coughs> and it very mm-hmm. much is. Right. Yeah, you know. Right. And I don't know if it's because he's just older and he's just like jaded, and he's like that can't happen. I'm like, but it can happen. Right. You know. Right. So um, yeah, that's just one of the many things. That's the biggest thing that just really makes me like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't think you are um, really looking out for people. I'm looking mm-hmm. out, I'm, you know, rooting for people who are looking out for my people 
looking sure. out for everyone, of course. <laughs> I know, I know. I just, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's the so Ray, hard the for me. The did a piece where they, <clears throat> using that lens, talked about all the candidates, and yeah. each piece was a crack up. Well, I can talk about this part of their policy or this part of their policy yes. and how it would affect blacks, but they don't actually use the word. Like, a, I guess Klobuchar sure. doesn't use the word in <coughs> any of her literature. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, especially as an African-American, ironically, all three of us are black. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was – so Box has a wonderful um, video perspective oh, uh-huh. on all of yeah. the candidates. Uh-huh. And I'm going to post that. Oh, good. But um, – you know, I, I was saying, okay, it's, it's Super Tuesday's coming up. I got to, you know, right. real drill down on who I really like and all that stuff. Bloomberg, he has a bad history among, you know, oh, African Americans, right. especially the stop and frisk. Yeah. Amy Klobuchar, there's an article about Myron Burrell. I don't know yeah. if you know who no, Myron I, Burrell I, I read is. the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Myron Burrell was, so Amy Klobuchar back in 2005 was a, a, a DA. Yes. She was a prosecutor. Yep. Uh, 11-year-old girl was shot. Uh, right. While doing her homework yep. in her home, yep. it was a, a street uh, gang thing, yeah. mm-hmm. and they picked up a kid, Myron Burrell, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Okay, you're the one." Mm-hmm. No evidence, mm-hmm. right? Basically, a statement from somebody else yes. who's a rival gang member, right? Mm-hmm. And as an AD, I mean, I work in the DA's office. You know, mm-hmm. you just can't go by one person's testimony. Yeah. you have to have some supporting evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's a cop who's like, "Okay, I've got the guy, and I don't want to be wrong." Right, yeah. and so. Basically, Myron Burrell is in jail yeah. for the rest of his life unless there's some sort of an appeal. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I'm innocent." And I've looked at his test. I looked right. at his uh, interview, yep. and he strikes me as someone who is completely innocent. I mm-hmm. mean, he may have done some dirty stuff, right. but he didn't but do he that. Didn't, he didn't do yeah. this, right? And all Cl- Amy Klobuchar can do when people press her upon it is, well. You know, if there are an additional facts, then that should be addressed. But I'm not the DA anymore, and I just hope I'm wishing for the best for everybody. Which is just <laughs> okay. a – it's just a very lame thing. So I was like, well, okay. Yeah, you're so not taking responsibility yeah. for what I you I thought did. I was being misogynistic when I was like, well, Amy Klobuchar, no, not really. But no, I mean, that's that's justified. So well, to me – but to me, that's no – are not much different than Kamala. So I'm yes. like, uh, I, yeah. you know yeah. – so and, I, and I would have if I had to. But mm-hmm. that's where, I mean, we don't have, that's, it's the primary. Vote for whoever you want. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Have a good time. <coughs> After the primary, <laughs> then we can start yeah. saying, okay, like, can we move in this direction? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'll support, I'll support almost all of them. Bloomberg yeah. gets on my nerves, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Biden gets on my nerves, but I'll vote for him if I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, everyone has a bit of a sketchy past, but mm-hmm. I really do believe, you know, wh- after a while it becomes binary, and right. anyone but Trump, mm-hmm. really yeah. anyone but yep. Trump. Um, how have you dealt, Angel, in, in the age of Trump? I mean, as a millennial, I mean, how do you how do you feel about it all? Are you uh, optimistic? I don't know why, but my heart kind of goes, when they hear millennial. But it's true, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. Um, it's, it's been interesting. I, I want to say that I am very grateful that I – um, I luckily moved to uh, California before Trump was elected mm-hmm. um, because what's happening, uh, just for a little bit of background, I moved from California, from Indiana. Oh, just like you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what part? Indianapolis. Oh, right on. I was in Indianapolis, then Greenwood, then Bloomington. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, but um, yeah, I was born and left when I was like nine. We moved to Southern Cal. Okay, right on. Oh, that's so cool. Hoosier. Yes, yes, Hoosier. Um, but a lot of crazy things have been going down in Indiana since leaving, um, and my closest friends still live there. 
when I was on the phone with my friend uh, Chloe the other day, and she was like, I was in Target, and I just heard this man just throwing these slurs at all these people. And she was like, and I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, Angel, it's been that way since you, like, left. Like, this happens all the time, you know? Wow, wow. And I didn't experience a lot of that when I was in Indiana. Of course, I got some of it, but it's just, like, on another level. Right. And when people, like, try and hide behind this thing where it's like, he... You know, he's not racist. He cares about money. I'm like, you don't I, – I guess it just takes being a person of color for some people to understand, you know, well, people unless you're people, Ben Carson. People know when they right. if, what they want to know. Yes. You know right. p- there's plausible right. deniability. Right. You know, a yes. lot of people just, listen, I don't know because I don't want to know. Right. Yes. Just tell me what I want to hear. Which mm-hmm. I've been there too. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's easier to be yeah. that way. And I've definitely had those times where I'm like – I don't want to read anything. I don't want to know mm-hmm. about how because there's only so much you can take. We we have access to everything so fast yeah. right. that sometimes it is crippling to get everything. Yeah. But in those times, I think it's okay to step back, but then step back in. At least know what's going on. At yeah. least know like what's surrounding this person because I mean he's a puppet. Right. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you know, and I right. think it's important to know why he's making these decisions. Who's around him making these decisions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Well, very, very insightful. And I think, you know, as a millennial, you know, usually we, we've had millennials on, and usually right. they're like, well, I don't really have a thought about it. I haven't really, you know, whatever. And to see you so engaged, mm. it uh, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, I'm very fortunate to be in a, f- uh, a group of people who are very political. Um, some of my really good friends in the Bay. Hey, mm-hmm. Kev. Hey, Audrey. Work in politics. Yeah. And they're wonderful at what they do. And I also feel comfortable um i'm not really great at facebook or instagram but if i'm ever on i'm looking at like what they're posting because i feel like i can get a lot of insights from them Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i don't always agree (laughs) with them at all but i like that i like that we can have those open discussions and it's important i mean it really is i mean i can't stand not knowing what's going on i mean knowledge is power you may not know what to do with the knowledge but at least someone cannot you know lead you astray yes. right. by telling you something that you know isn't true. Right. Absolutely. Well, so. in these days, there's so much <laughs> out there that is sketchy at best. Yeah. You have to research. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Here are a couple of other uh, current events. I'll just run through mm-hmm. them. You know, um, Supreme Court rules along party lines that family cannot sue Border Patrol agent for shooting a 15-year-old Mexican in the back of the head. I don't right. know if you heard about that. Yeah, I did. I remember the story. I was really shocked. Um, yeah, there were... I'm uh, not shocked at the court. I'm, I'm you know... Yeah. Hopefully the case will go farther than this, but because they shot across the border, right. saying they don't have rights in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically two kids kids. playing a game. I playing don't know if it was checkers or whatever. No, yeah. they were they were running across and touching something on the other side of the border and then running back across. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And That's it's crazy. It. I mean, the border patrol agents, to, you know, really just carte blanche can do anything they want to do. Apparently, yeah. Uh, Weinstein. You have any thoughts about Weinstein being convicted? <laughs> I don't know why. But the image of him and his little Walker. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It makes me laugh so hard. Well, remember, remember, remember Cosby. Cosby uh, uh, came blind. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, white that. came. Oh sure no! Did. did he really? It's mm-hmm. amazing how sick you become when you become convicted of a crime. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's easy to be cynical about it, but you also, you know, if you want to give him the mm-hmm. benefit of a doubt, mm-hmm. ma- man, their worldview must be just crumbling. 
I thought I was a good guy, yeah. and suddenly the world is saying this about me. I can't believe it. You know what's interesting, and I know we're getting a lot into current events, but I mean, it's, it's, it affects our lives. Mm-hmm. But one of the saddest things about the Weinstein case, Annabella, Annabella I'm, getting her, I'm going to get her last name wrong, oh, Cirillo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big. She's a big actress. As a matter of fact, she was in one of my favorite Spike Lee flicks, uh, Jungle Fever. Oh, okay. She was the love interest of Wesley Snipes. Oh, mm-hmm. But in any case, she was the only one who said, hey, he raped me, and I did not have a, a relationship with him afterwards. Right. Where a lot of the other victims, where the jury convicted him of, continued to have relationships. Right. And so the jury did not believe Annabella, basically right. on the rape charge that dealt with her. They found her not guilty. I mean, they found him not guilty. They didn't believe the story. So it's it's strange. The narrative is, well, what's going on? You know, what women do we believe? What women do we not believe? Mm. Well, yeah. That's an interesting thing. Well, it's been bizarre to watch because somebody put it well. I I heard uh, a woman, a female journalist, talk about just breaking down what had happened. And when she talked about that part of the case, that is so... You know, beyond the uh, statute of limitations, mm-hmm. they said they had her on because her story was so compelling, yeah. and that it would affect how the jury heard the other stories. Yeah, and I was like, "That's it's a shame that you have to do that, but yay, if that worked, hallelujah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've seen it happen in law. I mean, we've talked about the NAACP using Rosa Parks to um, to push to mm-hmm. to stop. Uh, what is it? I, I don't know. If it, I don't think it's board versus board. Brown versus Board of Education, but it was the Montgomery Bus Boycott. Right. But there was another woman who yeah. was a Claudette young woman. Colvin. Exactly. Uh, yes. Who was uh-huh. pregnant, uh, out of wedlock. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, law enforcement will choose or, or prosecutors will choose. We will always. We yeah. will always have those those yeah. folks that we stick up there. Absolutely. Yeah. They're iconic. Absolutely. Which I feel always about that one, too, which is funny that you brought that up. Because, I mean, obviously what Rosa Parks did was very admirable. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Martin Luther King put so much push behind her because she mm-hmm. was over the age of 18. Yes. She wasn't pregnant. Right. She also had light skin. So she was very right. palatable for yeah. people yeah. to get yep. behind. And she you was know? a secretary of, at the, of the NAACP. Yes. Right. yes. Yes. Absolutely. So she, so she knew the law and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, you have to make those those uh, decisions. It's like, well, yes, we know that everyone should be treated equally, but we have to win. And, we, and you know, if we do something that will won't help our case, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it's an NAACP case or, let's say, in Weinstein, then those are the decisions that people make, whether they're right or wrong. Yeah. So, and the very last thing, uh, the anti, since we're speaking about civil rights, the an- H.R. 35 anti-lynching bill was, was passed yeah. uh, yeah. in the Senate mm-hmm. uh, as well. I'm sorry, in the House. It was initiately passed in the Senate. And oh. now past the House. I didn't realize it yeah. came from the Senate to the House? Yeah, Kamala oh. Harris. And we were talking about her. Uh, and a couple of other folks had mm-hmm. written the bill. Yeah. It passed. I'm, I'm, that's more amazing than anything because yes. I have to see the Republicans going. But how can you go against lynching? Right. <laughs> I'm surprised this is just not happening. Right. Oh, I, how can you go right. against lynching? Right. Um, well, the sad thing I is. I can tell you how. Uh, so, uh, as it, I was, I, I'm enjoying Twitter a lot. And yeah. So I'm following a story like that. I'll jump into somebody's comments. If yeah. they've got a good comment stream, I want to see what they've got. Mm-hmm. Black guy mm-hmm. jumps in and says, well, you can't call it lynching. I mean, oh, what? how do they call it? No, oh, really? no because um, it's, um, um, I've got Trayvon in my head. Not Trayvon. Uh, t- um, t- Emmett, Emmett Till. Till, yeah. Emmett Till, yeah, it's of Emmett course. Till, right. They, they named it. Yeah. And he's like, well, you can't say that because Emmett Till was shot. 
What? Oh, God. So somebody actually put the definition, the dictionary definition of lynching, which says a group of people go outside the law to attack someone. Yes. Doesn't say hanging. Right. But this man just wouldn't let it go. Well, it's not a lynching. It's not a lynching. And I, I oh, like, I'm looking up his profile, trying to figure out what's going on with him. All I can see is that he is a serious conservative black man. He's not a joke. He's not a troll. Boy, boy. Oh, that makes me cringe. You know, because people, people see that. They right. see that, and they feel like they can grab that one comment and have something to sure. back up their well, Republicans way. love that because they they're like, they do. No, we we're not racist. See that black guy? He said yeah, it. That black guy said it, yeah. But there's a difference between being a black person and a person who happens to be black. Let's be very clear. Yeah. Oh, that's enraging. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so we're talking about the anti-lynching bill. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, a lot of people may say, well, that's the past. You know, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Well, who knows if it doesn't, you know, if still There happens. was no law against it. Yeah. There was no federal law against yeah. it, or right. at least not at this level. Now there is. Yeah. And it's not the past because if I'm uh, correct, four people voted against mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Passed. So, yep. I mean, yeah. that's proof enough. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, one Justin w- uh, is it Justin uh, the Am- Am- Amish? Yeah, there was another guy, um, Volk or uh, whatever. I think he's from New Jersey, who basically says, "Well, it sets a bad precedent, and what, what you know, what happens if something else may happen or whatever." And I, they're just—it's just a dog whistle. Right, they're trying right. to panter towards their little constituency. At least one was Alabama. I was like, yeah. oh, you're not a surprise guy." Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. It sh- this thing shouldn't have happened a long, long time ago, but. You know, and but that's why I like it's in the headlines now because it means when America goes, wow, that's weird. Didn't that happen a long time ago? No, actually, it's time for this conversation. <laughs> We're way overdue. Right. Yes. Let's have this conversation. Yes. And here's here's one last uh, bit of thing. So in Orlando police, and I, this is interesting because both of you work with kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, an Orlando police uh, officer arrested a six-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about this? Is this in I the just school saw the photo. where yeah. she had, like, sleep, <clears throat> a sleeping disorder? She had a sleeping disorder. Yeah. She was a little cranky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher didn't know how to deal with her, so right. she went to the principal, and I guess the principal didn't know how to deal with her. Somebody called the cops. Right. And the cop arrested, detained, I mean, yes. put handcuffs, handcuffs on, on her, yes. And without even trying to contact the mom, right. the parents. And I'm like, how can it be that hard to handle? And th- someone had did a video. Right. And the girl was acting uh, normally. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I just I saw a little of it. I, I couldn't really watch because it was just it already, was just the image was breaking my heart. I'm like, yeah. And I just wonder... Are schools having a hard time dealing with kids? Whereas the point, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, they, well, this was the day of the whip, I mean, the switch. Right. They oh, would yeah. just put you in a corner or, yeah. you know, they'd mm-hmm. hit your legs a little bit and, and basically that was it. Mm-hmm. And no parents had a problem with it at all. I don't right. know if it's a race thing or if it's just adults dealing with kids. Yeah, I personally, I do think it is a race thing because I feel like when white students do this, mm-hmm. I've never seen it dealt with in that manner. Right. Yeah. I feel like when a white child acts out, it comes across as, oh, they're just having a tantrum. Right. But when it's a black child, it's like, oh, they're dangerous. They're a threat. And yeah. we can't let, like, black children just be children, you right. know? Yeah. Um, I've never – and I watched – it's so funny you said that because I watched the video this morning. Mm-hmm. And I – ride my eyes out which I mean I shouldn't be able I shouldn't be watching it anyway just because stuff like that triggers me like no other but I'm like you have this child who is like 
please give me a second chance is what she said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please give me a second chance. I don't oh. want to go in the back of the police car. Mm-hmm. And this cop, I don't know how he was still walking or being like, oh, you don't want to go? Oh, you don't want to go in the – of course she doesn't. She's scared out of her mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and all the principal had to say was we don't want to press charges. Just right. forget exactly. about it. Right. Forget about the, you know, the fact that we called you. Yeah. Exactly. Why didn't that happen? Yeah. Who I knows? Hope they're, I hope they're asking those questions. Yeah. 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 Well, it's I'm a couple – go ahead. ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of two other yeah, uh, yeah, current yeah. events. Um, one is it looks like there's a little bit of a war with the police, the San Francisco police and the DA. Oh, well, um, I know that Chesa, I work at the DA's office, yeah. so Chesa's put out some things. And, you know, Chesa doesn't want to um, – he doesn't – I'm trying to think. Bail. <laughs> well, it's bail, but, he I mean, that's sort bail. of a new thing. Um, he – what was it? Because um, there, was, there was a whole list of them they were talking about that the police yeah. had pushed back on. Mm-hmm. Um, when they can use, um, you know, the um, escalation of force. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but I think that's even gone. Even, I mean, even George Gascon had a problem with excessive force. You know, when an mm-hmm. arrest happens in San Francisco, we have to make the decision whether to say yay or nay, or we're going to press charges or right. not. And Chase is basically saying, even before you know, right. before the gates, listen, we're not yeah. we're not going to you know deal with certain cases. Right, we're just not going to. So don't even bother making right. these arrests. Right, and so the police are being very vocal. Right? Yeah, and I'm like, hmm, I'm wondering where this is going to go because. I am I want to support him, and, yeah. I, and I agree with his philosophy. Mm-hmm. How do you implement? Uh, yeah. How do you implement with a hostile force? Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. always a, uh, it's a intricate dance between because we have to work with the police because they're right. the ones who gives us the evidence and right. make the arrest. They're the first right. ones on the front line that says, you committed a crime. Right. And then we either agree or we say, now forget about it. We're going to dismiss it or discharge it. Right. And sometimes we've even prosecuted the police. Now, that's hard. Right. It's hard to get 12 members of the jury to say, officer, so-and-so, you are guilty. You yeah. shouldn't have done that, yeah. Yeah. I still say, even with all this, I mean, I've lived in Philadelphia. Not Well, I've been in Philadelphia, and I've lived in New York. I still think San Francisco is relatively, I mean, I'd hate to live in Alabama. Right, right. I'd hate to live yeah. in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Right. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I think... It's a necessary adjustment. I'd like to see the adjustment. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cast the police as these horrible bad people, but part mm-hmm. of what he's saying is, I want to end the culture of this. I'm not going to let you do this. Yeah. Because this, you know, it just um, disproportionately affects the black community here, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to allow this to continue. And I'm like, I love you. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I uh, I was a part of, they needed some volunteers within the DA's office to work on what they call the blue panel uh, mm-hmm. thing oh, uh-huh. to focus on cops who had racial and stir in mm-hmm. and basically racist thoughts or whatever. Right. It was based on there were a couple of cops who had been sending text, text messages, messages yep. uh, talking about you know blacks as uh, monkeys and all that sort of stuff. Yep. And we had to go through their police reports to see if they made any ra- uh, arrests based on bias. Right. And we would think that, that would filter out the bad cops. Sure. I still don't know what academies teach cops and uh, right. and, and what happens because you know we hear about these things all over the United mm-hmm. States and we wonder, you know, what's going on. Have you had any bad uh, confrontations with cops, Angel? You know what? I actually haven't. Um, Yay. But yeah, I know. I'm very. Uh, I don't want to say fortunate because that's so twisted to say I'm fortunate mm-hmm. that I have it. Um, but I mean, I have it, and um, I. I've had friends who have had run-ins with cops as well, um, but nothing to the degree of, like, what I've seen. But what I do see and what I do feel does impact me deeply enough to want 
to be very aware sure. and enough to know that, like, I still do have to be careful when mm-hmm. I know, like, yeah. walk down the street by myself or, right. like, like I'm always on guard. I've been affected enough to always be aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because sometimes I can be very unaware and forget where I am, <laughs> no. you know. Sure, um, sure. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Oakland can be unforgettable. And that was the yeah. other one was the yeah. Oakland police firing, the police chief firing. More yeah. information's coming out around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's being done, I, I, I knew, you know, you could tell it was a funky story as you start digging into the layers of it. Mm-hmm. So one of the layers is that they're trying to get this oversight committee. Mm-hmm. They're going after the uh, police commission, mm-hmm. you know, that we voted in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and voted it in as an independent thing. And they're saying they're too independent. They've got too much power. And it's like, mm. They being the police union? or No, not the union. The uh, So there's a Citizens Oversight Commission, I think mm. it's called. Mm. Um, and they're the ones who fired the police chief. Mm. Um, and they fired the police chief because they felt like a lot of stuff. W- they felt like, we and the feds have even said with the receivership that we're under, that we have actually gone backwards. Um we're, but we're also – there needs to be a conversation that's not happening. The police at this point are required to um, report mm-hmm. anybody who wants to have a complaint. They're required to report it, mm-hmm. and it has to be investigated. And they yes. gave the outrageous example they gave of it was somebody, some person who was having a mental episode on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, cop was trying to contain him, and he said, you raped me. Mm. And um, – and you know, and and made me pregnant, and I and I had your child. This was a man talking about a man. Sure, they still had to investigate that. Yeah, to investigate whether because there's a charge, a complaint of a rape. Mm-hmm. So they had to investigate it. And it was like, uh, yeah, there there wasn't a baby, really. Are yeah, you sure. I mean, there are all sorts of, of crazy uh, complaints that come in, but you have to, you know, because if you start filtering it, saying all. Oh, right. That's that doesn't mean anything. Well, that raises a problem because you know right. who gets to judge. You know what gets to be reported. Or Something not. needs to be done. Mm-hmm. The new police chief wasn't helping the situation, mm-hmm. and even though Libby brought her in, Libby wasn't backing her up. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> so the police hated her. Yeah, <laughs> and Libby and City Hall wasn't backing her up, and mm-hmm. they kind of went, you know what, you are not helping. We want you yeah. out. This will be a perpetual battle, I think, all through any metropolitan mm-hmm. area between cops who believe they're justified in doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and citizens who are like, no, I think you're treating me unfair. Yeah. Like there's still African-Americans who believe that if a cop asks me for their ID, I should not have to show the ID, mm-hmm. which I disagree with. I think that, you know, if you give me if you give me a justified reason. Well, but a lot of times they, they I don't have to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You have to show me your ID. No, actually, yeah. you have to yeah. give me a reason. You're absolutely right. If a cop yeah. does that, then that's a problem. Yeah. But those are the battles that, that, that go on yeah. you know, between a cop that feels justified and a citizen who was like, listen, you can't abuse your badge, the power of the badge. It's just weird because I feel like I'm, I'm a lefty, but I believe that there's a role for the police, and I'd like to see it. That's I, I right. want to see more. I'm hoping that – what's his name, Chasen? Uh, Chasa. Chasa. I'm hoping that he'll do like Bart just did with the ambassadors. These are people without weapons, but they're on the trains. They're mm-hmm. there as basically eyes yeah. and bodies for, mm-hmm. for Bart. I think something like that, more police or more people on the street who aren't going around with a weapon looking for a fight, right. but yeah. who are you know trying to monitor things. And you can call in help mm-hmm. if something needs to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And with that, let's get into an origin story. Yes. We have Angel. 
Adidokun. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we know that you're from Indiana, um, but you also have a very uh, detailed history, just your life history. So tell us uh, where you came from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where I came from. Um, so I'm originally from Missouri. Oh. From Missouri, I went to Indiana. Mm-hmm. From Indiana, I came here. Um, but uh, my family's from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, we are Yoruba. Oh. Um, and my mother is English. Mm-hmm. And then my cousins, a bunch of my cousins, my aunt and my uncle, are from Germany and mm-hmm. now live in South Africa. Wow. Um, yeah. So we, we're kind of all over the place right, right. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. There is a bit of a German presence in South Africa. I mean, just yeah, reading a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a bit, actually. Yeah. yeah. So what brought, I mean, actually before what brought you to the Bay, how did you get involved in arts? Because you also have a, a, a thriving singing or music career yes. prior to a theater. Yes, I do. Um, so I've been singing since I was very young, mm-hmm. um, and I've been writing since I was very young. Music has always just spoke to me. Like, there was never a question that I wasn't going to do music. Oh, it's always just been great. that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I've been very fortunate in that way to know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but there's, like, a caveat of, like, I don't know, like, where I fit in because I'm, like, I want to do acting. I want to do dancing. You know, it's um, a lot. But um, when I was uh, 17, I graduated high school early so I could join a salsa band oh, wow. in Indiana. I joined uh, Grupo Bembe. Hey, guys. Um, mm. And then Grupo Tumbao, um, Trio Compas, and then Almagama. Mm-hmm. And within those groups, we did bachata, merengue, salsa. Um, and I love those groups because it kind of helped me get in touch with my um, Nigerian roots. Mm-hmm. Because the clave, the te- it originated in Nigeria. So, like, it was really kind of nice to be able to incorporate and, like, feel that uh, through the groups I was working with. Yeah. Um, That is so cool because we think... Latino, the Latino community and the black community are separate, but right. not really because, oh, you, know, the, you know, the yes. salsa music, they borrow a lot from the African oh, yeah. drum. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's nice to have that connection. Yes, the diaspora is real. Yes, <laughs> yes it's very real. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and then from Indiana, I came to California. I was in Burbank for about a year. Okay. I didn't like it very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what, what brought you there? Um, I, I just needed to get out of Indiana. It's, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say about the art scene in Indiana, they are trying, and it is getting better but it's still Indiana, and we still have a very long way to go Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, accepting arts. For example, like, there's no way you could do the type of art that's happening in the Bay Area in mm. Indiana. Like, yeah. you just can't, you know? Yeah. And for those that do, there's, like, a very, very small pool for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, I believe it's Massachusetts uh, Street in Indianapolis. It's downtown Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. There you can find, like, um, a couple of, like, drag places and maybe like one like you know music spot that plays like mm-hmm. decent music and mm-hmm. then there's a jazz kitchen which is amazing but outside of that everything kind of falls flat you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, but here there's just so much to choose from mm-hmm. right. um, so one day I was just researching I'm like I really want to do Rocky Horror Picture Show because I oh. love that mm-hmm. so much right. love it so much um, and I saw that Ray of Light Theater was doing it I knew nothing about the Bay or mm-hmm. Ray of Light um, but I uh, googled. I found them. 
they had already cast it, but they were um, trying to cast Silence the Musical, mm-hmm. which is a musical parody of Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. And hmm. um, I was like, um, it looks like you've already cast this show, but I would really, really like to um, be a part of it. It was Jason Hoover at the time, who was um, artistic director. He was like, yeah, come on out, and let's see what you got. And I went to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. I drove from Burbank to mm. um, SF to mm-hmm. watch the show. Wow. And then he's like, I'd love to meet you. He met me for like five minutes, shook my hand, was like, great to meet you. And then that was it. And I like went to my car and I started crying because mm. I'm like, you didn't even have me sing. They don't like me. <laughs> and, you know, this is just yeah. everything to me, which I didn't even know the show, but sure. like, it felt like a big deal. And it looked so cool. Like, yeah. Um, but um, prior to even going, I did send a video submission and um, – a couple of days later, he's like, we would love to have you. And I was like, really? So mm-hmm. I did that. Um, and the show lasted for about four months. It was a very long run. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I just haven't left the Bay. I just wow. can't, I keep getting jobs. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And Ray of Light, I mean, they, and like I've talked about Bat Boy, when I did Bat Boy, mm-hmm. I think that was back in 2005. Uh, maybe even 2004, and James Iglehart was a part of that. Mm-hmm. But there have been a lot of folks at Ray of Light who have gone on to bigger and better things in Broadway. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be like a great stepping stone mm-hmm. for those who wants to, you know, go off and do uh, bigger and better things. Absolutely, and it's just an awesome theater. I feel like it's one of the theaters um, in the Bay Area that has complete um, transparency mm-hmm. and are very open about what they do. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because I feel like in this business, there's like this unspoken rule that you have to be polite. You can't ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was at <coughs> Ray of Light, it almost felt silly to not ask questions. Yeah. Like there were a couple of things where I'm like, oh, I didn't want to ask about this. And then they're like, why? <laughs> you know, yeah. you should, you know. Mm-hmm. No, Shane Ray is fantastic. And yes. if, when you talk to Shane, ask him to come on the show because I, I, I would love to have him. Yeah, uh, but, you know, Shane is very, very just open. And it's interesting because Ray of Light, unlike a lot of other uh, musical companies mm-hmm. here in the Bay Area, they don't do a lot of the traditional stuff. They do a mm-hmm. lot of the edgy stuff, yeah. uh-huh. like Hedgewidge, you know, the yeah. – uh, the, Hedwig, the, yeah. Hedwig, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. We did that. Yeah. Two, it's been two years. That's yeah, and Triassic mm-hmm. – I think Triassic Park or tri- something about Triassic. But yes, Triassic they, Park, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Alice Rodriguez was in that one. Right. He, yeah. So they've good. done a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Have you worked with other companies outside of uh, Ray of Light? I have. Uh, I've worked shotgun, with, right? Yes, I yeah. did oh, shotgun. Do? I did iron shoes. Oh, nice. Yeah, it uh-huh. was such an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitka, which was the group that right. um, wrote it and put it together. Um, well, did not write it, but put the music together. Sure, yeah. um, it was just a fantastic experience. I don't think there's a show that I've worked harder for mm. in the Bay because I was just – even up until the last show, there were things I had questions about. Mm-hmm. So every time I went on stage, I discovered something new. Oh, nice. And that's like a dream. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a dream to have that. So it was just a very beautiful experience. Yeah. yeah. What type of training, if anything, did you have? Um, prior to coming to the Bay? Yeah. Um, so um, I did um, – I took a little bit of an acting class called at Actors Edge in Burbank. Okay. I did that for a minute. Um, growing up, I was a gymnast, so I was in gymnastics oh, for about eight years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, I did a lot of dancing. 
Um, but I didn't really get into dancing um, as far as taking classes until I moved to Burbank. Mm -hmm. And I started taking uh, Vogue classes yeah. there with Deshaun Wesley. He's an amazing Vogueer, um, mm. just like one of the best. If mm -hmm. you, um, I mean, he's choreographed for Rihanna. He's danced for like so many different people. Mm -hmm. He worked on choreography and was in um, The Wiz, the live oh, production nice. yeah. um, oh, uh -huh. when they were voguing. To uh, Emerald City, right. that was Deshaun, yes, and oh, Carlos, yeah. Uh, mm. um, so um, I did that, and then right now, um, my training is very much on my own. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm teaching myself to play guitar now, I'm hmm, doing cool. a lot of things, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, Norman, because uh, we talked about Indiana. When's the last time you've been back to Indiana? Oh, geez. It's, been, <laughs> it's probably been over a decade. Yeah. Um, I went back for a reunion, uh -huh. and my skin felt you know immediately i was like i feel my skin breathing in this way it doesn't breathe in california yes. and i was like oh this is so cool yeah. and folks were pretty laid back and it was very comfortable mm -hmm. and you know of course i i know <coughs> the rhythms yes yeah. um so all of that felt very comfortable to the point where i was like maybe i should come back some more but it was a big family reunion mm -hmm. and this family coming in from michigan cousins coming in from michigan were late because they got caught in some town Going through, you know, where the highway went through Main Street, mm. there was a parade for the Klan. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'll be getting on the yep. plane as soon as, yep. you know, my, my it's time, and I will not be coming back. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Done with y'all. What? <laughs> right. You got what? Yes. It's comfortable until it's uncomfortable. Mm. It's yeah. I, And the reason why I'd ask is because it's like, because, you know, when by the time you left and by the time you left, there's may have been like, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And mm -hmm. it's hard to think that uh, a, a place could just be frozen in time. Yeah. Well, the other weird thing, so we went once when me and my siblings were young adults. Mm -hmm. um, it must have been some other, I don't even remember what it was, some other event. And we all went. So the cousins wanted to show off the town for us. So we go downtown to the club. Well, the first thing is the fashion is about five years or more <laughs> behind California. So I'm like, that well, that's okay. That's okay. You know? And so then we're moving through the club and we're like, oh, you know, we grew up with all these stories. This is a mixed club. I was like, oh, cool. Well, that's cool. So we immediately go over and start trying to talk to white women to mm -hmm. dance. No. And then we start recognizing that, yeah, people, there are people, but if they're together, they're already together. And mostly it is segregated, moving through the same space, wow. but segregated. We had these black women get on the deck because me and my brother both had had, we'd gone off on our own, had the same experience, came back going, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> All of a sudden, these black women were on the dance. We're like, screw it, let's just dance. So we got out there and we're dancing. They're dancing up against us. We're getting these elbows and these comments. And it turned out they had been watching all this other stuff, oh. and this was their chance to sort of get back at us. And I was like, okay, this is, we're, we're going home. We're, yeah. we're done. We're done. Wow. Thank you, Indiana. Goodbye. <laughs> wow, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, of course, we're yeah. in a bubble here in the Bay Area because yes. everyone, I mean, I mentioned it when I went to New York. New York is, uh, it's, it's culturally diverse. Right. But still, there are pockets of the segregation neighbor, there. The neighborhoods, you go yeah. into Bensonhurst, you're going to have a problem with the Italian community. Right. You have the Bed-Stuy, you have the, let's say, Jamaican community or right. West Indies. Right. But here, everyone just gets, gets along. Yeah. I mean, there are issues one way or another. And there are places, but the thing I've always loved about Oakland is up until recently, it was pretty easy. Excuse me, to move around and do what you want to do everywhere. And it's still possible to move around, but I just feel like I get more side-eye. 
than mm. I used to get. And mm. that's been happening for three or four years. Yeah. Angel, here's a question for you. Uh, do you see yourself just doing musicals, or do you want to do, like, dramas or anything like that? Um, so I've been doing um, musicals uh, three years straight since coming to the Bay, mm-hmm. and it's been so, so awesome. But I've kind of, like, hit a point where I'm like, I want to do something super exciting with um, uh, the talents that I do have right now. Mm-hmm. So right now it's writing music for me and producing the music. Yeah. Um, yeah, so at, um, as soon as January rolled around, I got really serious, and I just started recording, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Mm. Nice. Um, I would love to do um, dramas. I would love to do voiceover work. That's something that I've been wanting to do uh, for forever. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I also just feel like representation is missing on that side of the table. Mm. Yeah. Us, so that would be awesome. But, um, yeah, I just want to uh, perform. I'm a very old soul. So trying to find my way where I fit into music now has been interesting. But I'm also like, I just don't fit in, and that's fine. Mm. Like, there's nothing, like, about me that I feel like it's just so, like, hard for people to handle. But we do live in a very digital world. People like um, very crisp, clean music. Yeah. They mm. like um, <coughs> guitars that come from a computer as opposed to the real thing. Yeah. Wow. You know, they like that um, 808, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But What's I mean, uh, like that ticking of a drum. In oh, a, yeah. it's, it's like a um, it's like a drum machine. Yes, okay. yeah. yeah, like huh. the Akai MPC and yeah. whatever. But yeah, but you and I were talking off Mike Angel about how uh, a lot of millennials may not know. Like when I play, um, you know, like our intro music is from the 1970s right. uh, uh, funk. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. And a lot of folks haven't heard that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruno Mars, I, you know, like he does Uptown Funk, and millennials may think that it's new, but right. it's really a throwback from an older generation. Right. It is. Right, exactly. It so is. Like, when I was listening to it, I'm like, it's so funky, but I'm like, are we also going to pretend that this is not, like, a B-side from, like, a Morris Day in the Time album? Right, exactly. Or, like, you know, like, are we, you know? Yeah. Um, and, so and Prince have you know Prince yes. in the day borrowed from that and Lisa right. Stansfield oh, yeah. I remember she borrowed from uh, what's the, uh, the Love Rollers um, I'm trying to think of uh, Barry White mm-hmm. you oh. know back from that so I think that you know if you have music that's coming from an older style mm-hmm. I think there's a market for that because millennials they haven't heard it before and it is something new I mean we get saturated we get saturated with you know the digital and the the vocoder sounds and mm-hmm. what do you call it the uh, the uh, the pitch uh, Auto tune. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so th- there's always room for the recycling of something new, something old, which is new again. Absolutely. So, and, but also you were talking about music. I think the musical cafe, and we're going to have uh, Richard Jennings and. Uh, oh right, and uh, later in March, and um, yeah, and I forget uh, the woman's name. Jamie. Jamie Greenblatt. Yeah. But that would be because you know I got involved with them about two years ago, and just like you, I had written a bunch of music and really hadn't been doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Well, we have budding um, musical uh, writers who write little, like, you know, twenty-minute musicals, yeah. and they stitch, you know, like a uh, dialogue within the music, and maybe that can be a vehicle." Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I did Nia, and I got some, you know, nice stuff, and we did that at Piano Fight. Nice. And that was a nice way of sort of getting my music across because I really don't see myself as a 
a musical writer. Right. I mean, writing for musicals, but it was it was a nice uh, experience. Oh, I'd love to hear some of that. And you can definitely do that as well okay. because they're always o- open for listening to and meeting new talent. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, the um, the music <coughs> cafe is pretty cool. I'm I'm amazed the energy that they put into it, but mm-hmm. um, it's neat to see. The people, you know, the spectrum, those who can write, mm-hmm. really put together solid characters in a good play, and s- the other ones where the music is really what's carrying you through this. Mm-hmm. It, there's enough of the other stuff, but it's really the music that's the heart and soul of the piece. Right. And it's very, very rare to have any company, like if I just knocked on the door of any company and says, hey, uh, you know, I've got a musical, you know, it's just a little thing, you know, you're not going to get any... You know, no one's going to invest in that because mm-hmm. a lot of companies don't want to invest in new pieces because they want something that's going to bring money in. Yeah. But musical cafes, that's one exception where they will welcome, you know, even if you just want to sing or just be a part of, um, you know, the, the, the um, you know, be an actor for yeah. the piece. So that, that's a fantastic uh, thing. One thing that we talked off mic, experiences as a woman in the theater space and good experiences, bad experiences. We've had... Um, um, Maya Herbsman, who is yeah. a a um, intimacy um, an intimacy coach, coach. yes, uh, really sort of bringing in the revolution of theater companies treating women, well, treating really anyone of no matter what sexual uh, orientation with respect. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Have you had any bad experiences or good experiences? Um. I've been very fortunate to have a majority good experiences in the Bay. Um, there was one instance, and this was maybe like my sixth show um, after my first year in the Bay Area. Um, I was working at a theater, and one of my counterparts was just making really gross comments towards me. Mm. And he was also, on top of that, very um, verbally abusive and didn't like anyone, like, stepping into his lane. Okay. Um, he, yeah. It was, was this directed weird. towards you or just anyone? It was directed towards me because we had to work very closely oh, together. Okay. Now, he would lash out at other people every now and then, but it was mostly me because we were, like, side by side the whole mm. uh, the whole entirety of the musical. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I remember, like, the first thing that really just made my skin crawl was we had a dance rehearsal together, and he just, like, looked at me, and he was like, is it just me, or do I feel, like, some sexual tension here? And I was like, excuse <laughs> me? Wow. I was like, do you know? And it's and I feel kind of, it, it's, it's weird now, because, like, now that would never happen with me on mm. any level. But then I was just, like, so taken aback because that never happened to me mm. before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just, like, one of the fewer things, but... He was just such a creepy dude, and I, I'm super easy to work with. I'm very chill to work with. Yeah. And there's no one I could ever say that I would never want to work with again. He's the one person that I refuse because mm-hmm. he made me feel very, very terrible about myself. Um, he made me feel self-conscious of my body. He mm-hmm. made me um, feel bad when the uh, there would be nights where it would be such a good show, mm-hmm. but if he didn't feel like he was getting what he wanted from the audience, it would be my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, a really did, weird. Did the director or the stage manager step in at all? Um, so I did talk to um, the director, 
um, and the director was already like having his troubles with him, mm. uh, with that actor. So mm-hmm. he was like on top of it, but it was also one of those things where I just felt, I, honestly, I just feel like everyone was just trying to get through to get to the end of the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and it was a big show, and it was hard to replace him. So I mm-hmm. think it was just one of those things where it's like, hey. And also, too, I didn't feel like I could advocate for myself in that time. So mm. I, they knew about, like, the, like, verbally abusive things, but yeah. they didn't know about, like, the sexual comments that he was making towards me until towards, like, um, the uh, end of the run. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like so many times as women, we're told we have to, you know, just be, just be as talented as you can on stage, give your best, and then you go home. Like, we don't mm. want any of we don't want any complaints. We don't yeah. want any of this. And I definitely did feel that at that company just yeah. because other people were complaining about <coughs> him and nothing was being done. Right. So I'm like, if you're not going to listen to that, you're mm-hmm. not going to listen to what I have to say. Yeah, you know, I think Maya Herbstman talked about that. I think I get the feeling that a lot of directors and even production staff, they're like, we just want to really get these things through and we don't want a liability. You know, my God, right. if she sues us, then, you know, what mm-hmm. are we going to do? And that's unfortunate. I mean, um, I don't know if you have any comments, Norman, but uh, you know I know that AB5 has really um, – and the only reason why I talk about that is cool. there's the business of theater, right. and then there's the art the, – you know, everyone's focused on the art of theater. I, I, I would love the for people to make that distinction. Somebody actually kind of came at me because I posted it. There's a group, Freelancers Against AB5, on Facebook, mm-hmm. and every now and then somebody will post something up, like somebody went to Sacramento for the hearings this week. Um, and there was a vote to repeal it that didn't pass. And so this person wrote about it extensively, and I, I shared that, and a friend jumped on and said, you know, that's a right-wing talking point. The Republicans are really pushing this thing against AB5. It's really against Uber and Lyft, and the rest of that is disinformation. I'm like, no, it isn't. It affects my teaching. It affects my theater work. It affects my modeling. Mm-hmm. All of those people, all those agencies are worried about who they can and can't hire. People have already, some people have already said that they're just not doing it anymore. Some people are trying to comply. They've got the wherewithal and for some people it really is money because you have to get this umbrella insurance as an employer Mm -hmm. that you may not have had before. I understand and the union is very much pushing for it because the idea is that it's going to make it safer for us. I'm all for safety. I wouldn't be in the union if it wasn't for their safety rules. But the art is the art. That doesn't free you from those other responsibilities. But if you're not an employer, you're not an employer. If you are a collaborative group of artists, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would love to see that distinction made. And unfortunately, it's not, it's yeah. not happening right now. And the only reason why I bring up AB5, everyone talks about regulation. Now, when you talk about just a theater company that's just putting together a show and then it'll be done in, I don't know, maybe um, the next month or two months or whatever, Mm -hmm. you may not need AB5. But when it comes to sexual assault and harassment and just how people are dealt with, I think there needs to be some sort of regulation. Maybe not AB5. That's I would assume assume that that basically exists already. I mean, there there are so many sexual harassment laws I would think they would be applicable. I would hope they would. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It's the culture. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where – we are told, and particularly women are told, you know, it's just a job. Just suck it up, you know. And, yeah. you know, if, if somebody's got bad B.O., then the stage manager will tell them. But other than that, <laughs> that's just your personal issue, and you just yeah. have to deal with it. Yeah. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, 
Speaking of Ray of Light, I remember when we, um, maybe in our second week of rehearsal for Bat Boy, mm -hmm. there was a musical director who got drunk mm. <laughs> and was hitting on the girls. Oh, no. And so uh, James Iglehart, who's the director, told me, oh. hey, listen, we got a problem. Mm -hmm. And we fired him. Right. Boom, just like that. And brought in someone else, uh, a guy named Matt Hohensey, and that's right. how it should be dealt yeah. with. It should. There's, there's no reason to traumatize anybody right. in the pursuit of your art. That's, that mm -hmm. is not cool. Yeah. But it's it shouldn't not, be legal. It, yeah. Right. But it hasn't taken the smile away from your face. I mean, oh. it has <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, yeah, I don't um, – I was able to leave the situation knowing that I did what I did, and I know that that will never happen to me again. And I also feel pretty great about the fact that this actor, um, he actually got a job for a really, really awesome theater company. They fired him before it even started because he had <laughs> such go. a just terrible reputation. And yeah. also, I think, probably did the same to me to right. some yeah. other uh, women. Yeah. So. Here's an abstract question because you talk about, you know, when you're in the rehearsal process and you know you have to bond with an actor – you know, you do have to, you know, create, who knows, you may be a husband and wife on stage. Right. And you want to create that nice bond. Hey, how are you doing? My name is Reg Clay and this and that or whatever. Right. And you want to have a, a wonderful, cozy bond. I know for women, and I've heard it said so many times, misinterpretation of being kind mm -hmm. can be translated into, right. I'm into you. Yes. Right. And how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you navigate that? I mean, that's probably just a woman question. I mean, do you deal right. with that at all? Like, Mis being misinterpreted as being nice is, oh, it sounds like she likes me. Um, y yes, and um, I think usually for me in my case, it's usually, oh, she's nice, so I know she's a pushover mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, she likes me just because um, uh, since then I haven't had, like, a um, – a, a role where I've had to like build that relationship mm -hmm. with someone, mm -hmm. but in that case it was very different because it wasn't even like I was being nice. We were doing a scene, yeah, right. And right after the scene, he made that comment, and mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm acting. You're right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that exactly. was just confusing. Right. right. Um, I'm doing my job. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so yeah, and Norman, I mean, you you know this better, just knowing your lane, you know, between building enough of an emotional connection to fit the role and stepping away from that. Like you talked about uh, being a husband and wife, too. There was one chick who you had to do a scene with. Oh, it wasn't husband and wife. No, we were um, – we were. it was many years ago. We were playing two young characters. Mm -hmm. um, coming – getting – discovering their, their sexuality, mm -hmm. budding sexuality. Yeah. Um, and we were actually focused on another character, an offstage. You know, we were supposed to be looking out of a window mm -hmm. at a guy that we were both into. Mm -hmm. um, but we were being physical with each other, expressing our desire for this guy. Got it. Um, and I have never had to be so polite in my life because this woman, on a personal level, this woman had heard some wrong information about me. Mm -hmm. Um, later, I don't think she's ever actually talked to me about it. She moved out of the area not long after that. But um, mutual friend who she thought she was standing up for kind of clarified, oh, no, Norman and I had a misunderstanding, and we've cleared that up. And it's all good. Norman didn't do this. She didn't know any of that. All she knew through the rehearsal experience was I stayed away from her. 
I was open and friend, friendly, polite more than friendly, because I knew she wanted nothing to do with me and literally would not talk to me outside of rehearsal. Mm. Outside of the actual running of lines, would not talk to me. So it was ironic um, that we did the piece and people would say that was the most tender moment in the play. And I'm like, you don't know how hard I worked. <laughs> and afterwards, she told a mutual friend, I couldn't believe what a gentleman Norman was and how professional he was and you know how giving he was. And I was like, yeah, because I felt like I was dealing with a porcupine and at any moment I might get pricked. And I'm like, okay, so I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm, and what it ended up, I think it read on stage as that naivete and, you know, vulnerability, mm-hmm. which it was. Yeah. It was totally yeah. my vulnerability, but it read, the audience read it as something else. And I'm like, yay for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, for every situation like that that happens to a man or happens to somebody like that, I know women, because I've seen it with women. Mm-hmm. Who's that? It's not me, is it? No. Might be mine. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> but I mean, I know I've yeah. run into it a number of times with women. I've auditioned with women where I walked out going, wow, she was so into me, and then realized, you know, later or a day later or whatever, like, she got in the show because she was so amazing. She mm-hmm. was so giving. And that was a huge lesson for me. I was like, oh. You don't know that person who you walk in with, but you've got to find a connection yes. and make that connection real, mm-hmm. and that's acting. Like you said, I had to remind myself, wait a minute, that was acting, and I should get to know who this person is. If I'm interested in them as mm-hmm. a person, I should get to know them because that's acting. What we're doing in rehearsal, what we're doing on stage is acting. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. what that is. And yeah. And were you able to like have a conversation with her before... Um, no, we never we never had a conversation in the process. I she would, I would walk into a room, and if she was the only person in the room without saying a word, she would walk out. Interesting. Um, yeah. The the weirdest interaction we had was one day we were working in a place where there was an elevator, and so on a break I went down to the corner store and I came back. Elevator was really slow and it was a break, so I knew that I was going to be running late. You know, I went to the store, bought something, ended up having to wait in line. So I'm like, I know I'm running late. So I'm just anxious to get in the elevator. As soon as the door is open, I go to go in and I see somebody coming at me. So I open my mouth to say hi. And I see her do the same thing. And we both don't, we both just catch our breath, do not make a sound and pass each other. What a shame. You know, it's funny. uh, When I went to school uh, at NYU, we focus a lot on um, communion. And there are all sorts of uh, exercises. I know Radhika Rao is very big on that where you, let's say, look at your partner's eyes mm-hmm. and you make a connection. Right. Um, sometimes I, I'm into it. Sometimes I'm not so into it because it can be a bit forced. I mm-hmm. think that I find a connection. Like if I know if I'm, I have to have an intimate connection, mm-hmm. not physically intimate, right. but just emotionally intimate, mm-hmm. I'd rather just talk to someone like my scene partner at lunch or something like that to at least understand something about her so that I can have a connection that we can translate on stage. Yeah. And realize that, hey, I'm in, this is the lane. You know, this is the lane. Right. You know, we're in this lane where we have this connection where we're on stage. But outside of that, I mean, if we're friends or whatever, that's if you, fine. If you meet somebody who can have that conversation, I, I find often I don't. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is just to let all those feelings, all that insecurity and whatever that, to see if I can use that. Sure. Yeah. Because, and then what's great is if it is somebody who's empathic, mm-hmm. um, 
they sort of make space for you to be more comfortable. Yeah. That becomes <coughs> the dynamic in the relationship. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is so cool. And I'm so grateful to that yes. person. And then, you know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. about making a decision. It was more about I'm going to try and be real in this moment and own what I've got. And Right. And yeah. if you take care of me, I am going to be so grateful. <laughs> you you break up with your husband. My wife <coughs> leaves me. We're getting together. <laughs> but otherwise, and I, you know, Elizabeth was going through that Elizabeth for a Carter. while. Um, where she was doing shows where she kept being put in these romantic relationships. Her partner had huge issues with it. She finally realized two things had to happen. One, she had to tell her partner exactly what was going on. And two, she had to go out of way of introducing outside of the context of the scene this is so and so. They're my scene partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it reminds me so much of statements. We d- I did a statements for a theater company, um, Eastenders, and I was naked on stage. It was a South African piece where I'm a black man. I'm having a relationship with a white woman, and so Lorraine, my scene partner, she had to introduce me to her husband. It's like, listen, if I'm going to do a naked mm-hmm. scene with you. This is my husband. I was like, hey, that's totally cool. Hey, what's going on? I'm Rich Clay. And no, I'm not after your wife. (laughs) But we had enough of a connection to make what we had to be on stage real. Right. And we had a lot of, you know, just moments. And Chuck Polly was very good. And he was the director. And making sure that we had enough of a connection. Lorraine would tell me what she didn't like, you know. Because I could be rather touchy-feely, you know, Mm -hmm. being from the South and from D.C. Oh, baby, come here. And, you know, everyone's giving everyone a hug. Mm -hmm. And Lorraine was not down with that. I was like, okay, that's fine. Right. Thank you for telling me. But you learned her boundary, too, which was really important. Right. Exactly. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Well, that's where the intimacy coaching is great. Because it sort of starts from that place of, Let's acknowledge that we're about to enter into something, and before we do that, let's let's check in with what mm-hmm. people need, and then you know, and then there are ways to to move forward. Yeah, and you can map Instead it out. Of stumbling into it, yeah. you can and you can map it out as if it's choreography. Listen, yeah. you know, here on this end, we'll touch you here. This right. is the line where I'm going to do this <laughs> and that or whatever, and. You know, did that work with you or did it work right. with me? And, you know, if the director doesn't do it, then, you know, you, you can do it with your scene partner. And Maya Herbsman, if right. you have an intimacy coach, will yeah. do that as well. Mm-hmm. But there is that sensitivity in theater companies now where they do focus it's, on. It's growing. It's a, it's, a, it's a seed that is starting to, mm-hmm. to, to bud. Yeah. Um, one last thing. Where do you see yourself in the uh, – actually, how is, the, how is Bay Area Theater treating you? Are you happy? Are you getting the most out of it? Are you looking for more things? Um, it's been a, an amazing experience, and I'm very grateful for the experience I've had here. I'm grateful that um, I'm playing roles um, that I feel like if I was in other areas, I wouldn't have been able to play. Ooh, mm-hmm. like what? Um, so um, I think the first thing that stands out to me um, is Lily St. Regis um, mm-hmm. at um, Berkeley Playhouse when I played um, – when I was Lily St. Regis and Annie, uh-huh. which was uh-huh. awesome uh-huh. because, you know, we, it's usually, it's a white woman sure. in that role. And then also, too, during that time, women weren't even allowed to wear makeup. Right. So it was like a really cool thing that I just got to do, which I loved. Hmm. Um, and then also, too, I love that I have agency here, at least for me, and I think it's more so the work I'm doing, mm-hmm. to be able to play roles that even though they want you to come in and being you know, sassy or like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or they'll say, can you just add a little bit more street on there or a mm-hmm. little bit more? Mm-hmm. I love the fact that I've been able to play roles where that's what they've asked me for, but I never played it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really um, like that I have that agency here. Um, 
that being said, the musical theater community, I feel like I do have to do like a lot of code switching here and a lot of oh. like, you know, um, I feel like I'm always on. I'm always mm-hmm. feel very performative because right. it's such a sensitive industry. Um, but I've loved it so, so much, but I'm excited about doing music because I'm able to be a hundred percent myself uh-huh. yeah. and, yeah. um, no more lending myself to other people's projects, but being able to do my own mm-hmm. thing, which is, yeah. Yeah. And you have an outlet for it? I do. Oh. I do. Um, so, um, I have my website, which mm-hmm. I'm building by myself, which I'm really excited about. Um, I also have some performances lined up for later this nice. year, yeah. yes, oh. which I'll be posting on my yeah, um, and, and we'll promote well. that as well. Thank okay. you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I really do. And I'm trying to get her hooked up with Will Hammond because Will oh, would great. be fantastic. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You know, especially you know into the funk thing. Yes, mm-hmm. please. Um, what was there was the was there a last thing I thought I had you, something? Um, <laughs> where you see yourself going? <coughs> oh. Um, but I think we did. We touch that. Oh, well, do you do you do you want to go to New York or L.A. Gotcha. or are you doing into film or anything like that? I do want to go to New York to L.A. I don't feel like I'm ever meant to stay in one place, but I can ev- mm. absolutely see the Bay like being my base where mm-hmm. I uh-huh. always come back to for huh. sure. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, I do have plans to go to New York. Um, we'll definitely be going back to Los Angeles soon, actually. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for yeah. it. Have you done? Uh, there are a lot of millennials who do, let's say, YouTube videos or anything like that. Do you? Are you involved? Do you um, see yourself getting involved in that? Um, not really. Um, just because? Do you mean like on the influencer side? Well, there are influencers like, like gotcha. you hear things like Justin Bieber making it big because. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, no, I I definitely believe in promoting yourself in all avenues in which you can. So, for example. Um, I'm releasing uh, music soon at the end of March, mm-hmm. and I've also put uh, together uh, a couple of music videos for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. They will be on YouTube just because right it's another avenue to promote myself, but I'm not, you know. Yeah, that's not you don't see yourself as an influencer. No. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I see a lot, of, nope, nope, I see nope. a lot of self-absorbed folks on YouTube. It's like, oh, I'm going to yes. do a, one, a half an hour video on me doing makeup. I, I think, you <laughs> yes. know, if somebody's got something to say and they, yeah. can, they can put it together, I'm... Yeah. I yeah. mean, Lord knows we watch. We do watch. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's I right. do not, but people yeah. do. Yes. <laughs> well, we, we talk I don't about follow this everybody, but I, yeah. love, I love that you can pop a video. You know, I, I wanted to figure out, I've got these orchids, and I'm like, what should I be doing See, with yes, my orchids? Because I can keep valuable. them alive, mm-hmm. but and sometimes they even rebloom, and I'm mm-hmm. like, but is, am I missing something? So yeah. I ended up... And the funny thing is I was doing, I think I was gardening, and I wanted to watch something specific. So I was watching that, and it just clicked into the next one. And I started going, I was like, I don't know this woman, I don't care about this. But she started talking about, so you want to do this, or look at this. And she picked up the plant and moved it to this table where it gets light, but it doesn't get direct light. And I was like, oh, that's what I already do. Yay! And yeah. it just was validating. So yes. I ended up watching her nine-minute video. Yeah. And I was like, and she, of course, was at the end was saying, you should subscribe. And I was like, I'm not going to subscribe, but I am grateful for but you. But I'm Thank making you. it <laughs> Yeah. And YouTube is also like a very, very awesome um, uh, resource for music. Yes, it's right. it is. wonderful. Yeah. I mean, especially, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've told my students to, like, check out this person, the only place you can find it is on youtube right yeah you know? yes, correct yeah. um so um it's great for that and it's also 
amazing to find artists that you would not have found yeah. um, otherwise because they're not being played on mainstream right. or whatever. Yeah. It's awesome for that. And mm-hmm. it's great for obscure music. Like there yes. are lots of music that, let's say, old 70s hits or one hit wonders, mm-hmm. and somebody on YouTube has put it on there. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Before I forget, two years ago, okay. <laughs> we listened to this person. And, of course, I don't have any soundbar. Huh? I always do that. Okay, here we go. Two years ago. There is a phenomenon that I have started to become invisible. Um, people literally don't see me sometimes. Like, I will <laughs> Carolyn Doyle. Place, uh, there you go. Yeah. Carolyn Doyle talking about your very, very intimate uh, right. interview about that was, just that being was invisible, being interview. a middle-aged uh, woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, one year ago. If you're full-figured or you have a large bust, you can't be the lead because you're too big and frankly in theater there's a lot of you know nice small jewish men who i love but they're like five six five seven and i'm too big in heels to Mm -hmm. be with them except for the fact that my husband's my height so i was gonna say except for the fact that in reality (laughs) that is uh that was a guest that i brought on dana Mm -hmm. lewenthal oh dana lewenthal yes yes okay (coughs) along with uh, alicia von kugel and talking about we're talking about size, right. yeah, the discrimination of size. Right. And she was talking about how one time she was she was she's a tall woman. She's like five, well, seven, taller five than eight. average for a woman. Taller than average, yeah. and uh, how there is size discrimination sometimes in the theater. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. There it is. No, and her career has been it's been amazing to watch over the years mm-hmm. as she she's just a hustler. So she's been keeping it going. It's been great. Yes. Yeah, both as a uh, an actress and as a writer. You know, she oh, uh, she no, submitted I didn't a, know. Yeah, uh, we talked about the Playwright Center for San Francisco. She submitted a piece about oh. Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, a more oh, updated right, yes, version right. of that. Yes, yes. And we talked about the ramifications of that. Any case, we've hit the one hour mark. Mm. <laughs> As uh, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Yes. Uh, birth- shout outs, birthdays. Birthdays. Um, I'm so shocked that there is nobody for today. I was hoping that somebody's name would have popped up as being born on the 29th of February, but not. Uh. Leap year. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Rico, Rico Anderson. There, yeah. Who we had on in December, I guess. <laughs> Um, and Michael Muhammad is a Bay Rico is um, in L.A. now. He was a Bay Area. He's a Bay Area kid who was a Bay Area actor. He's been in L.A. for a while, and he's got a bunch of little projects. In fact, I've got to look. I think one of them was being released in March, so i got to look and see if we we can put that up. Mm. Uh, Michael Muhammad is a Bay Area director. <gasps> yeah. Mojo. Oh, Mojo. I love Mojo he, so much. He directed me in Candide. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Richard Squirry is a um, uh, stage combat guy, mm-hmm. um, and he's amazing because he, I think, came more from more of a film background mm-hmm. and then uh, started doing teaching at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts in Richmond, mm-hmm. and that's how we met. Um, but he's there. He's at uh, the College of Marin, um, and it's so wonderful the way he works. With I, I, I don't think I've ever had a bad stage combat teacher but um, but his uh, approach is just so philosophical. It's beautiful. Uh, Lex Chesler, uh, sort of on the other side, is um, an improviser. I knew him as an improviser, and uh, and I forget what he's doing now. But I think I think I remember seeing something that he had posted recently where he was working with a gaming company. Mm. And I'm like, that's funny. You, you're somebody who you know focuses on your sense of humor, <laughs> and you're working at a gaming company. Uh, Jenny Lee is this beautiful actress who was stage managing a piece I did at the Beverly Hills Playhouse in San Francisco. Mm. Um, 
Nato Green uh, is, n- I don't know him as an actor or a theater person, actually, but he's a performer. He's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest national thing that I think he did was, um, what's his name? Uh, w. Kamau Bell oh, um, yeah. had a couple of um, yeah. web series, not web series, um, United States cable. of America. Yeah, that w- yeah. yeah. and, uh, and there, there was one he did for, I think, um, like TNT or FX. I think maybe it was FX. Yeah. And one he did for maybe HBO. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got another thing going now. Anyway, NATO has been one of his writers, but he is local. Um, and I'll always remember him as a kid who used to go to the comic book store I went to. Mm. And to see him as a parent now, a guy with, you know, male pa- pattern, pattern baldness. And mm. um, and he's a comedian. He's a successful comedian. That's what his job is. That's what he does. I'm nice. just thrilled. And then, um, and it was weird, the other name, the last name that popped up was Reed Davis. And I thought, wait a minute. So I actually went to his page to check, and sure enough, Reed passed last mm. year. Um, but, you know, the pages still pop the up still on their there. birthday. Yeah. And it was great just to be reminded to go to his page and see all the memorials. Wow, that people, wow. You know, Every really now and then, I, I remember when uh, Joe Weatherby died. Oh, right, And yes. uh, his webpage or his Facebook page is still there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's yours. Mine, um, yesterday, Matt Hohensey, I talked about how we had to fire uh, the musical director at Ray of Light right. when we did um, uh, Bat Boy. Yes. Matt Hohensey took over, and he's a uh, fantastic uh, musical director. Ah. And so uh-huh. his birthday was yesterday. Now, I was getting ready to say, wait a minute, you said that one. I remember that for the last yeah, time. Exactly. Okay. Um, on Monday, March the 2nd, Linda Huang. She is a stage manager that I've worked with several times, especially mm-hmm. with Off-Broadway West, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping to bring her in. Mm-hmm. Uh, her birthday is, on, is March. We, we talked about uh, Michael Muhammad. Tuesday, the 3rd, uh, Wiley Herman, we had him on. Oh, right, yes. He's a local actor. He was in Sorry to Bother You. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah? Huh. The, um, the Boots Riley uh, flick. Right. No, I remember the flick. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to remember exactly. what he... He had a little cameo appearance, but it's wonderful to see a someone who I've seen on stage very cool. you know, transition to the, uh, the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a very beautiful Philippine actress model, uh, Roxanne Enriquez. Her birthday is also on the 3rd. She, I met her via Bindlestiff. Uh, let's see. And one – no, I think that's it. That's all that I have. Uh, Black Shows. Comedy at uh, Douglas Morrison, right? They're still yeah, running. With, with Alan Coyne and um, – Dean. Adrian, Adrian Dean. Dean. Yes. Um, I, I'm trying to pull up. Anton's Wells, um, they're doing these three pieces by Beckett, All the f- all That Fall, Embers, and a Piece of Monologue. Oh, wow. Um, and that opens next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was um, going to say Town Hall, <laughs> but I'm sure you've got it. I probably do. Uh, Spreckles Theater, uh, they're oh, doing Urinetown. Uh, Anna Yoham, a good friend of ours, and she's been a guest on the Yay. Uh, she's in that. That ra- that ran from um, Valentine's Day. It ends on March the first, so it ends tomorrow. Uh, so last chance, uh, last chance. And then we have uh, the Cherry Orchard at the Town Hall right. Theater. Yeah, that just opened, or it's opening. It's open. Open two days ago. Yeah, and uh, closes March the twenty first. Mm. Tom Riley is in that, and Susan Evans is directing it. Or did direct it. Mm-hmm. Uh, White guy on the bus that ends tomorrow. Ah. Diana Lauren Jones yeah. is in that. Uh, we talked about black comedy that runs from February the twentieth to March the eighth at the DMT. Oh, so one more week. Yeah, exactly. I've been pushing the Forgotten Empress, uh, Norani Dance. That is a specialized um, 
Indian sort of dance slash theater. Oh. Uh, that uh, they have, it's two more shows at the Z Space, March the 5th and the 6th. And Radhika Rao is involved in that. Um, Tiny Beautiful Things, that's the show that I'm stage managing. Uh, that opens April the 10th through the 19th. Uh, Violet, the musical, we've talked about that. That uh, actually, that won't open until May the 28th, until June the 20th. Uh, Stephen McLeod is in that. The Quality of Life, Alterina Playhouse, Kim Donovan will be in that. Uh, that opens March the 20th through April the 19th. And the very last one, it closes tomorrow, Steel Magnolias at Ooh. the Chanticleers Theater. Cynthia Lagodzinski and Jamie Strube is in that. And that's all that I have. Got, uh, mm-hmm. Never the Center opens next weekend. Actually, it looks like it. Yeah, it opens next weekend uh, at the Exit Theater. Okay. And I don't. Oh, right. This is a show. Um, there's a group that does shows here, and then in South Lake Tahoe, mm-hmm. this show is going to go to both places. Okay. So. Right on. Uh, Angel, did you have a good time? I did. Very pleasant. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you so much, and thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, I'll give my usual spiel. Of course, everyone's listening to this already, but we're on I- pretty much any podcast that you listen to. So we're on Spotify. We're on um, <coughs> we're on uh, the Apple iTunes Store. I was trying to look at I dropped SoundCloud. my little screens. SoundCloud, exactly. If you're an Android user, you can download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Angel, do you have uh, – I know you're not into social website, media. Website, you, you said. You've got yeah, a website. I do. Um, my website is HelloSoulAngel.com. Um, and my Instagram is hello.soul.angel. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. And we'll make sure we have a link to that so that people can connect with you. <laughs> so any uh, directors or producers, if you're looking for a fantastic actress and singer, you can't go wrong with Angel. And also a dance dancer for yeah. yeah. All right. And we've, we've got to find, find a better sign-off. Sign